Hi guys and welcome to episode 5 of the Stoic Performance Podcast. My name is Matty Green and on today's show we have someone called Mark Lovell. Um, he is a former Royal Marine and now a bit of an entrepreneur. Um, he's opened up um, not one but almost five barber shops um, and a gym as well. Uh, so he's a you know he's building a bit of an empire there. Um, we go about going about his time in the Corps um, and how he transitioned into uh, civilian life and and how he's doing really well in, in business. Um, so it's great to see, it's great to chat to him. And again, as always, if you like the content, please feel free to subscribe to the channel. All right, Mark, so uh, I wanted to get you on because... Um, I feel you've you've got quite an interesting background, interesting story. How you've kind of left um, the Marines and got into you know quite a bit of an empire you started to build. So um, yeah. we'll get on to like the business side of things later on. Um, but going back to the core, like first up, really, what kind of made you want to join the Royal Marines? What happened there? Um, weird for me actually. I won't. Um... You know, some people sort of grow up and they love, I don't know, soldiers and army cadets and things like that. I wasn't like that at all. Um, I was probably the opposite. But I just remember going to the cinema and I saw an advert of the Marines. It was the whole one, it was the whole campaign of 99.99% need not apply. Yeah. It was yeah. all the assault course and everything. And I love fitness and sports. That's the only thing I enjoyed. I didn't enjoy school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, cool, that sounds like a cool challenge. Uh, so that was literally it. Just went to the careers office, not knowing anything about nothing military. I had no military bearing at all. And just said, oh, yeah, can I join the Marines? And that was, that was sort of how it started, really. And then um, <clears throat> what was, like, the process smooth for you? The, like, PRMC, all the way through? No, it was uh, funny. So I don't know if you saw my post recently. about uh, done a post about that, my headpiece. Stuff. Yep. So I went and initially applied. I was... I guess just nearly turning 17 so pretty much straight from school and the first thing you do is the recruitment test which is just like real basic maths English mechanical comprehension all that and then I'd done that and failed so they said oh you've, you've failed and I was like oh right I didn't think I'd done that bad um so they said you can either go to college or um and then retake the test in six months or come back in a year um, and retake it again so I signed up to do public services but in the meantime I'd done my um my my fitness tests on the treadmill and they were really happy with the i smashed the time basically on the treadmill he rang me up and he was like look if you go down to prmc and do well they won't worry about the rt i think i only just found it by a couple of marks they said don't worry about it go down to prmc um and if you do well they'll sort of accept you and they'll, they'll sort of judge you down there so luckily that's what i did and that worked out fine and sort of got into training um See, that's that's the sort of process of how I started, and then I was well, I was sort of seventeen in training, and then we go through training a bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, how did so, you find like foundation, like the first two weeks? Yeah, so training. I remember, wow. So <laughs> I was someone like I'm not. I'm happy to admit, like my mum done everything for me at home. Like I didn't, I never, I went in, didn't, didn't, couldn't iron, couldn't do anything, and again a little bit. Well, really silly of me all i cared about still at that point was i want to do the fitness stuff but yeah. i was shocked with how the, the, the marines especially is so um strict on uh, personal hygiene admin administration looking after yourself because obviously you've got to be able to look after yourself in the field and stuff 
Um, so that's where that was a massive shock. I, I just remember like sort of foundation and stuff. I remember, or maybe is it day two, that you basically get issued all your kit. And I just remember putting it all on my bed, seeing everyone else sort of getting involved, getting, getting all their kit out, sorting it all out. And I just wanted to break down and cry. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing with all this. Like, I have no idea. Um, like everyone knew what thing, I think a lot of lads had a bit of a military, you know what I mean? Well, I guess a lot of people were a bit older. They were sort of mid twenties and they had a bit of knowledge of what things are. They'd be like, I'll just have a list of everything. Right, this goes here, put this away here. And I was thinking, I ain't got a clue what that is, that is, that is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know what I mean? You're probably the youngest in the in the troop. You're a bit nervous to ask someone for help at that stage and that. And yeah, it was sort of tough the first few days. I remember sort of people getting all their stuff ironed and in the thing, and it was taking me about an hour to iron a pair of trousers. Still yeah. had like two tram lines in them. <laughs> um, real funny actually. I got a lot of funny stories. I remember. I remember my first inspection. The corporal come round in the morning, and he's like, "I missed. I didn't even know to put my belt." through the belt loops. I missed the belt loops at the back. It was like, you don't even put your belt through your belt loop. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was rubbish basically uh, to yeah. start with. Um, and sort of struggled a lot. Um, but the thing that got me through the early days, like they probably would have just kicked me out straight away, but I was one of the fittest. And, and as long as you, if, if you're fit, you're going to learn the rest eventually if, you, if yeah. you've got the right mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's when I took recruits through, you could see... Um, Massive difference. Those you know who, who were getting by admin wise and then struggling at fit, you know they'd suffer. Yeah. But like you say, you grow into it. You literally grow yeah. into the role. And you know once you're, you know walking back and forth from that locker, that inspection like mock up locker of how it would be. You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn it eventually. And yeah, um, if you want to learn it, you will. And obviously, yeah. you did. And, and that's definitely what. My learning curve, I noticed, so, so so I struggled pretty much till probably week 15. And then my learning curve shot up as my confidence grew. And I realized, actually, because I think eventually something switched in me. It was like, well, actually, I keep getting fractured because I keep messing up. But I can do the, the fitness weren't a problem. So I was like, well, I'm going to pass out eventually. So I'm just going to have to get a grip of the rest of it because um, <laughs> I ain't going to quit. So then by the end of training, I was probably, you know I mean, one of the strongest recruits because you just, like I say, you, you learn the rest and I started becoming confident and where everyone else, I guess their learning curve stays the same, my learning curve seemed to really shot up and by the end of training, I was extremely confident and one of the sort of the, 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 the sort of confident top guys in, in the troop, I guess. Um, I sort of went from the bottom to sort of up, up, up there, really. Most improved player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I reckon so. So, like, where did your drive then to succeed come from in the fact that you didn't really have an affiliate with the Marines, you didn't really know much about it, but where was, you know, your thought process then of saying, right, well, I'm going to pass out, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Where did that come from? Why did you want to pass out so badly? I think I've always had a drive of proving people wrong um, I know you shouldn't do things that, that it's a toss up in life. Like cause you shouldn't do things to, to, to sort of prove to other people. I think you should always be happy in yourself. I don't really know to start with the reasons why I wanted to sort of get through it, but I've just always had it in me that I would never, oh, sounds extreme. I'd rather die than, than quit. I'll never quit on anything. You know what I mean? So yeah. I guess going through training, I, I remember sort of before I joined up and everyone was 
sort of taking the piss of it, laughing about it, like, oh, you join the Marines. It's like, you're never going to get in the Marines. Like, yeah. I mean, even my mum, like, you know what I mean? She, she would always support me, don't get me wrong, but she definitely didn't think I'd complete training. She's like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so that, that's always in the back of my mind. That every, anyone says something, the worst thing you can say to me is like, oh, you won't be able to do that. Because then literally just a spark in me is just like, right, let's go. Sort of thing. Um, so I think that was always a driving force. Like, I always wanted to to prove to myself and to uh, and and stuff like that like to get through to get through training and it excited me I, I i brought into it very early that's what i loved and i still that's the biggest thing i miss i love the i'm very competitive um and i love that i love the um, i love looking at the corporals and that's what i wanted to be like you know what i mean and not, not so much in the capacity of i didn't care so much where i went with it as in going through the ranks or anything but I wanted to be that kind of person um that I was looking at I I, I I enjoyed the I enjoyed what they were about and what they were saying I sort of took it in yeah. and that's what kept driving me to become that and that that post you put on the other day about the uh, the earpiece yeah just go a little bit more into that because that was pretty yeah so like my my corporal Courtney Jackson um I'd love to. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now. You know, normally meet up with most people on Facebook, but I always look for him. I can't find him. Um, so he was pretty much. He was my corporal for our training, and I think he saw a bit in me, like because he joined up at sixteen, seventeen, and he, and he, and, he, and he, later on in training, he explained that he struggled to start with. Um, but yeah, so he obviously knew I weren't very good. Um, and then I remember, I think it was the martial start, and it was the first main exercise. Um, he said, "Look, love all you." You hand that key kit, he said, you can have the headset of the radio. He said, just hand it back to me. All I want you to do is hand me back that at the end of the end of the exercise, you pass the exercise. So like, oh, I can do that. Um, so I remember I, I'd have it in my top flap um, on my Bergen. I was checking on it and stuff. And like, it was the night before we were finishing. I was on Century, it was about two in the morning. We got bumps, oh, brilliant. Um, sort of rushed back. Obviously, it's the middle of the night. You've got to use your night discipline. I was rubbish, shit everywhere, trying to pack my stuff up flapping like everyone's sort of already there and I was always mm. the slowest to start with getting yeah. all my stuff together <clears throat> sort of get there we get fresh for ages um and then you lay your kit muster out first thing in the morning and I'm beginning to let out and he pulls me to one side and he's sort of love all this I caught always like you got your bird um, you got got the headpiece and I was like yeah cool yeah he said if you ask like uh, yeah straight away my alarm bells with my head ring out like, yeah he's, he's got it <laughs> he's, he's pulled it out and he's like look I was like oh. He said, like, we can do two things here. He said, like, I can we'll sort of, I can hand this into the boss, you know what I mean? And, and you'll probably be back trooped. Um, or we'll keep it between us, but we'll use this as a, as a turning point. Um, and throughout training now, whenever I ask to prove headpiece, you'll have it on your possession. So I used to keep it in my pocket a lot of the time. Um, but then when we went into the field, I used to, he said, I don't mind if you lanyard it around your neck. So I had a bit of paracord and I'd, I'd have it. On a bit of paracord and I'd have it tucked in when we were doing field exercises. Yeah. And then a bit cheesy actually, right? I enjoyed it. It was, it was real cheesy. That's what I liked about it. He used to always quote stuff from movies and funny. It was real strict, obviously, and hard, but it was real character as well. And it'd always be like doing little silly stuff. Um, so before we'd go on a troop attack, I'd always take it out, kiss it, put it back in, and then um, sort of start. <laughs> um, and and, and it's quite a funny thing, like at the end of, by the end, I was like, like you know what I mean you sort of look over at me and then I could feel that report like I could see that he, he enjoyed seeing me change so much throughout training as well as and, and then that helped me push me on as well because it's like 
I come a long way from the sort of start where I couldn't even look after a headpiece to sort of the end doing my final attacks and stuff. Um, yeah. And it's just something I always look back on. I took that to Afghan with me. Um, yeah. I took it everywhere with me. After I always kept it like a sort of lucky charm as such. That's awesome. Um, so going through, you've, you've passed out of training. Was there any, um, well, just before passing out, any commando tests that you struggled with or did you just kind of like it? Uh, you know what? I was, I was really um, a bit of a, a bit of a mad story actually. I um, I finished field firing, and then you go on to your commando tests, and I got a leg infection. Um, I got cellulitis in my in my in my knee, um, so I had to go to hospital, and I was gutted because I, I, literally the next week was my test, and I knew I'd complete my test because I was I was real fit by that stage. So I had to go to hospital, um, and, and it was real bad. My leg was massive. Um, so they were going to put me into well, they did that they, they had to back treat me because I would miss my test dates. So I was still in hospital, and and like it was so emotional because like obviously you just want to pass out with your troop, yeah. Um, so I got out of hospital, I had to pack my stuff to move to Hunter Troop. I didn't want to go to Hunter Troop, I was like, Look, I can, I can, all I've got to do is my test and I complete training. There's no need for me to go to Hunter Troop, but there's all the protocols in place and that. It's not like I could just crack on as such. So I went to Hunter Troop um, and I kind of kicked up a bit of a fuss, really. Um, <laughs> like, not, 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 not in, in some respect, like you can't really say too much, you just got to do it. But I went and just explained to try to, because they say, right, you have to do, once you're in Hunter Troop, you do a month and then you sort of do your thing to get back into training. I was like, look, I've literally only missed 10 days in hospital. I'm, I've just got to do my commando tests. Um, so anyway, I was in Hunter Troop for a, a few days. And then the training, someone must have said something to the training team because they said, right, we're going to do, do you remember Cheeky Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. So they, 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 they call it Cheeky uh, Wednesday, basically two commando tests in one day. Yeah, it has. So they said, right, we're going we're gonna to do a mock of Cheeky Wednesday today. Anyone who wants to get move back into the troop, see where you are to move back into a troop. If they pass Cheeky Wednesday, then we can assess it and, and move you into your troop with 897 troop, which is the, the, the next week, which starts the commando test on the Friday. So on the Wednesday... I'd done that, passed both of them. So then they had no option really, they had to let me go into my troop. So then I went from that, doing two commando tests, straight onto my troop, um, which was then 897, and then joined them and went straight into my commando test, because that was my last week. And then luckily passed the commando test. Um, I didn't do the 30 miler as uh, I was in bits by then. But by then your mindset's so strong, I just, like my legs were just moving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so that's so then passed out. But yeah, I, I had a little, that, that, that was the only thing I was gutted about because I would have just rather finished it together with my troop. Um, but yeah, things happen. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah, because we had a lot, we had a big influx of, um, of lads coming from Hunter right at the very end of the training, like commando test yeah. um, and final X phase. And it's like our troop almost split into two. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, you build up such a camaraderie and then a load of other lads come through and forget that you're all going for the same thing and ultimately yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. Who's yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like when you, when you move into a unit life and it's all forgotten, but at the time it's really oh. gutting because you've got all their yeah. memories and like, like there's nothing more I would have wanted to pass out of my, that same corporate who inspired me through all the training, you know what I mean? And I had that sort of piss up with him at the end and stuff. Um, yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. So what happened after training? Where did you go? Um, so then I went straight up to Fleet Protection Group. Yeah. I was just sort of turned, I was, what, I was 18 now by this stage. 
I went up to Fleet Protection Group and I had a horrible time um, to start with. Um, That's where we joined you guys, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, well, I first went up, I went to O Squadron. And I was, I was so excited. I thought, cool, yeah, I've made it now. This is brilliant. Um, I went into O Squadron. And wow, it was it was harder than training. Because um, of the, So it, basically, Fleet Protection Group, you go behind the wire and it's really boring. No one wants to be there. It's, it's sort of shit. You, you, you do five weeks behind the wire, which is just... Just people don't know you're just looking after the, the the nuclear assets and stuff. So it's just like a glorified security guard a little bit. But you don't. It's not really the job we wanted to do. Um, and you're sort of stuck in with everyone for five weeks, and then you go and do your normal bits for five weeks. And that five weeks, because there's not much to do, basically, all you are is a um, a bit like a toy for the the, the senior lads and, and and the corporate. I think it's changed a lot now. I mean, this is what over ten years ago, and it's. So yeah. I think things are more in place now, certainly. Um, but yeah, there used to be every night we used to have a court at six o'clock, um, and anyone done anything, you'd go up in court, and then you'd have to roll the dice, and, and then there'd be like little punishments and stuff. It's all character building. And yeah, stuff. this, this could be imagine. something. This could be something like leaving your pot, your cup out, couldn't it? It could be something. Yeah. Anything, if you got yeah, left. anything. So yeah, for instance, I'll give you an example. I left my wet towel on my bed, and they're like, leave that. you know, because I mean? you when you. When you're new, they'll get you for anything. So I used to pretty much have to roll just for being new every night. Like there's no way I'd get through a call about someone putting their hand up and stitching me up for something silly. Yeah. Um, obviously the, the senior guys, the longer you've been in, you just get even if you did, you get left alone a bit. So I was rolling every night, and and it, I found it really hard. So I went from being at the end of training, being this popular sort of one of the the, the cool kids a little bit, such to being back down at the bottom of the pile and in in a big old battle world with all these sort of tougher marines and stuff um and i actually remember another thing that happened that was a little bit of a, a switch in my mind um i remember we're doing fizz like troop fizz and we're doing circuits around the the the, the blockers as such and i smashed it i was sort of running around and, and i sort of I laughed at someone or something a little bit and afterwards this uh scottish lad he got me up by the neck actually and so you take the take the piss again you know what I mean you'll sort of get filled in as such because um, yeah. I was just a little bit probably still a little bit cocky and, and, and things like that and, and it doesn't really go down well when you're in a in, in, a, in a unit as such um, unit life and I had to learn a lot of lessons early on um, from it um, good and bad and then from there I went down to Northwood which was really cool that's in London Watford and that was two weeks on two weeks off again same sort of security stuff but I got two weeks off and I was left alone a bit because it was a smaller smaller troop and then from there I went back up to Fleet Protection Group and joined your troop which was probably my favourite time in the core um, um, CRF troop when we used to do the convoys again it was a crap job but we had an amazing group of lads didn't we and, and I was yeah. by then I was sort of a year in and 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 because and it weren't as bad um, and we had the characters that weren't so much people being idiots we just all had a great time really didn't we i, I think um, that truth stands out for me as in you know the one of the very best times in my my time in the core yeah uh, it was full of like misfits almost like lads yeah, yeah. complete like well everyone had to have a nickname really didn't they and everyone was like yeah. this and that it was, it was and it was really, really top down wasn't it like from you know from frank all the way down through the corporals, the lance jacks, yeah. and it's kind of like you weren't allowed in the troop unless you were. You had something strange or funny or weird about yeah. you, or had something about you. You know what I mean? It was just even, really good. Even the boss was you there when Boss Fern was there? Yeah, I was. I was coming to the end of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he was awesome. He was mental, not awesome, yeah. but mental. And like we were yeah. dealing with the uh, with the police, 
on the convoys and stuff on exercise and he'd be like very eccentric about it and he'd be like i'm you know unleashing my hounds of hell on, on you lot. and it's we're like looking at him like what the <laughs> but yeah even that camaraderie we had in that troop was just unbelievable i, I loved it yeah Absolutely. And that was again a bit of a turning point in my in the corner because I, I loved that, and, that, and that's what I, again I found my love again. And I was like, this is this is brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm with the lads that I want to be with, and and then you you start enjoying it all again. Um, yeah, so that, that was great. And then from there, sorry, I, I remember when you joined our troop because you rocked up. We was on the on the pitch on the football pitch, and yeah, you yeah. just rocked up, and I was like, who's this guy? And he comes in with his left peg and he starts banging him in. I'm like, <laughs> who are you? Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> what did you? Yeah, that, that was the first time I got to yeah play sport and do bits, and it was like that's what I wanted to do in that really as well and get to do yeah. some stuff. Um, but from from there, um, I left and went to four two commando, and that was really then the start of my um. Well, that was when it was getting serious again. Like we, had, Afghan was on and stuff, so we were getting ready for Afghan and done Afghan with four two. Then I met you again out in, in Afghan, I suppose, with four two, um, yeah. and I pretty much stayed there. Um, yeah, four two commando, and then I got injured playing football after Afghan and everything. Um, so while I was injured, I, I was luckily, luckily went to the, my careers office in Cambridge and got to do that for sort of ten months while I was sort of downgraded. Um, which was great because obviously I was just at home and sort of it was a nice break. It was a nice break from Afghan and everything like that. Um, yeah. And sort of. How, how did you find Afghan? I mean, we were doing, that was a job we were there to do, wasn't it? I think as, as uh, in Lima Company, the, the company we were in, the job role was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, that was it. It was. Yeah, I always say to people, we, I always say to people, we, we were extremely lucky in, in the respect that we were doing a job that, I don't think, other than say SF and, and, and aspect like that, not many people who join the military get to do an Afghan. We're doing strike operations. We were doing what you, you, you join and, and what you think commandos do and, and, and sort of infantry people do. Um, there's a lot of people who even in infantry units, like I say, they go out to FOBs and they're sort of stuck there doing the same patrols. But we, we, had a, we, we were doing a really good, tough job, but it was, I mean, that was, I, I like to call that the pinnacle of what I would call the soldiering. Um, yeah. And, and it was it was brilliant to look back on. Yeah. Extremely hard and tough, but it's certainly the proudest moments of my career is the stuff we were doing um, out there. Yeah, definitely. I feel that last op in Marja was you couldn't top that. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have went either way. It was we were sort of in the, in the Taliban's back garden and such, and we knew the dangers, and it went really well. I mean, a few. Dad's got hit and stuff. No, we, we didn't lose anyone, did we? And, and no. it was a massive success. And it kind of finished the tour on an amazing high note, really. And I think we were all apprehensive. I remember, because I think we thought we were going home, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and then they sort of come in. I think it's because it was more so because the Sun newspaper are out there and yeah. we're handing over, I think, maybe to the Paris or something. I don't know. Um, and, and I think we wanted to go out with a, a big up. But I think even like from sort of stripey level down no one really wanted to do it to start because you, you just think well I've survived here I'm, you start thinking in the back of your mind about going home and then they tell you right you're going to go and do this sort of really aggressive uh, operation you know what I mean in, in an area that we knew was very highly dangerous so um, but it went really well and, it, and again it was sort of 
well, you're glad we, we, we done it afterwards. One of my kind of standout memories from that uh, operation was before we'd even gone in, remember we landed on and we'd kind of, we were out the, around the outside of the village kind of waiting to go in. Um, and I was just moving between my lads. I had my lads lined out, just checking it was all right. And um, there was a sergeant major from, I think it was command company. I can't remember who it was, but he, uh, he thought I was Lima's sergeant major. So he started shouting, he was like, Ed, Ed, come here, come here. And I walked over and he's like, oh, sorry, I thought you were the uh, Lima company sergeant major. And he was like, um, I just want to say good luck on the lads. Just, just be safe for you. And me, him saying that to me, I was like, right, he knows more than I do about what we're about to do. He obviously yeah, yeah. knows this is going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the lads Definitely. were like, what have you just said? I was like, no, I just uh, wish us luck. Well, on, on that, how, how big it was, I remember listening in onto the headset. We were like the, I guess, the third wave to, to fly in. Um, and you could hear already on the headset rounds coming down. You know what I mean? You're looking around and you yeah. know you're flying straight into it. And um, I, I remember landing. We come to land. Half of us got off. And because we were under fire, he went to take off again. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? We've got to land. Um, so he sort of dropped the rest of us off. And, and it was pretty fucking hectic um, from, the, from the word go. But, I mean, we had a, yeah, like I say, it was, it was great afterwards. You know what I mean? It was, it, was, it was mad. It was that time. There was a couple of times on that one where you're like, cool, you know what I mean? Tell, tell my mum I love her. You know what I mean? <laughs> That um that bridge, remember the bridge that the engineers yeah, had, yeah. and we were doing rounds are coming over our heads on that one. <clears throat> and I remember the truth, the, the striper was saying when you when you kind of got in single file, you started stacking up, and your time was getting closer and closer, and then you were the next guy, and then he was like, right, don't run, but don't go too slow, but don't go don't run, and we were like, what? Because <laughs> it. Yeah. You would bounce literally as soon as you got on that bridge, and if you went up the side, that was you. you you'd be sinking. Yeah. Yeah, and then you had the rounds coming in overhead as well, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty sketchy. But it was fun. Like you know, as soon as I ran and jumped and dived in, my I landed in a face full of, face full of mud, and all the lads were just pissing themselves, laughing at me because I looked like a yeah, funny little moments to pick you up again. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So after. What happened after the careers office? Was that what? What point did you realise? Right, I'm gonna. Yeah, so I guess I was in two ways then a little bit. Like I guess from there I was starting to get better. Um, like my ankle was getting all right, and I was I was an acting corporal, so I was probably in line. I, I haven't thought right. I've got to go and do my juniors, or call it a day. Um, and it's a real hard decision. Um, really, I guess. Um. If I stayed in, I would have had to really knuckle down and, and started looking at, like, let's say, like a junior command course and that, and sort of then I looked at sort of trying to stay in or, or, or leave at that point. Um, I don't know if it was the money or not. Like, like there's a thing going on in private security. Everyone was jumping on private security sector. Um, and a few, a few of my mates were out there doing the maritime work, and they kept asking me to go out and do it. And so it's brilliant. And I, was sort of, I said no to a few times. Um, but yeah, in the end, I, I decided to leave and, and jump into that. Um, so that's what I did. I sort of had my notice in and uh, went, moved across into the maritime sector and done the sort of the private security type work, I guess, um, security officer or whatever you want to call it, out on the ships, um, Somalia and that. And, and how did you find that? Was that? Um, that was, I'll tell you what, like, 
that was weird. So the first year doing that was the best. It was like a dream job. Like you didn't really understand, like, because you've just done Afghan and all that. Like, like you had two different types of people actually out there. So you had the you had the old guys who maybe joined the core and left, even if they'd done twenty years. They might not have ever done anything, as as in like without being rude. I mean, as in like combat stuff. And then you got quite a few young lads um, that have, have, have left, even though they've only done five six years, but they might have done two or three tours. Um, so there's a bit of a strange mix of, of of people. Like you had to either be Marines, SF. To, to, to be in the company we worked for. Um, but it was quite a strange dynamic because there was a lot of team leaders were the young guys and a lot of ex-sergeant majors were just the bots. Um, but um, yeah, the first year was amazing, but it was just run by a, an ex-marina company and, and, it, and it got so big, so quick that he, I think it, it was, people, he couldn't keep control of everything. So there's times we were just in a hotel, all expenses paid, waiting for another job, but it was just a bit like a party really. Um, and then you'd go on ship, ship would be really boring and that, and it just, you're doing a watch routine, get off into another country and, and um, yeah, it would just be partying really, <laughs> waiting to go on to another job. Um, and the jobs itself, again, because you've done Afghan, it weren't really, it was, it was boring. I mean, but yeah, it was really good money. I mean, the threat, there was a threat, obviously. Um, we'd get watched quite a lot and, and, and sometimes, the, the pirates, Somalians would come and approach the ship. You, you might fight, might have to fire a warning shot. Very rare that you'd get into a firefight. Um, the da most dangerous part of that job was actually being on land, um, because if you're on land in some some of the countries, it's quite dangerous walking around just being who we are um, in certain countries. Um, and a couple of people did lose their life actually, um, separate, not actually working. Um, one in Reunion Island and someone in South Africa. Um, so it was more dangerous, I'd say, not at work than, than at times being on the job. But um, it was it was good, really. Like if it was good, that that, that it was a good few years. It started to change towards the end again. That's why I left. Basically, the company got brought out, and um, then I guess the, the directors then all they care about is profit margins and stuff. I mean, I understand that. So it weren't like a case of you finish a job, you could just stay in a hotel for a week wait for another job it was kind of like you get off a job go home be back on the waiting list trying to get out you never knew what you were doing it obviously got a lot stricter what you can and can't do and and everything and the final straw for me with that one was um it went from a company where you could just have, it was just ex-marines um to eventually because the threat level started going down and there's more and more security they started getting people in not so much the company i work for but in in the industry just basically anyone who, who had a rifle at some point could, could, could sort of try and get in and it was getting a bit stupid. They were starting to use foreign nationals and, and, and I've got nothing against any of these people, but like, I like to know certainly if shit does hit the fan, like the, the yeah, person left or right, it knows what they're doing, you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. is trained to the same standard. Um, so it just got a bit, I stopped, stopped enjoying it. And the final straw with that was, I was seeing a lot of, um, one day I just wanted a family and have a normal life. Um, and you couldn't do that there because I was always away. I mean, the first year I was doing that, I was in the UK only 52 days. Um, I declared myself like a non-UK resident because I was just always away. Um, so, but, so one day I just wanted to settle down and have a family. So I left all that um, behind really. And <clears throat> so the turning point, obviously it's, you got into what you're doing now. Really yeah. that, yeah, that's what, how it kind of came about. So can you, what, as in the barbering and stuff? Yeah. 
yeah, so that's so basically my, my girlfriend, who's my wife now at the time, she was a barber. Um, so, when we, 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 I mean, I know her pretty much all my life. We started seeing each other again and things. And um, so when I used to come home, I'd obviously just go and see her down the barbershop. Um, and like, all my friends are at work and stuff. So I'd sit down the barbershop quite a lot of the time. And I got on really well with the lads. I knew all the lads down at the shop. And um, sort of, yeah, for I was thinking about what I could do when I leave all the, the, the security and the, and the military stuff. I mean, I didn't have no, I'm not academic, I didn't have no qualifications. I didn't do any trades. Um, so they weren't, my options weren't, the, I didn't have the most options. So I just thought, actually, barbering seems all right. Like, it was social and I didn't mind it. So I thought I'd give it a go. Um, so I just started cutting my mate's hair for free in the shop with, with, with my missus, really, and, and, and with the guys and that, and having a bit of a laugh with it. And then learning a bit more. Eventually found it okay, um, so yeah, left left the security and sort of jumped, just jumped into that really. Is like we obviously left left um, kind of lost lost touch with each other there, but eventually it kind of comes back around and I seen you opened up barber shops and I was like, what? Yeah, random. <laughs> Where has this come from? Yeah, yeah. Well, imagine when I'm cutting someone's hair and, and I'm telling them they're like, oh, how long have you been barbering for? Oh, a couple of years. And they're like, all right, what did you used to do? And I start trying to explain a little bit what I'm doing for it. Sometimes I, I don't even go in, like, don't even say really, because I just think you just think I'm bullshitting. It's like yeah. chalk and cheese, and it like from one extreme to the other. Like, <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's a bit weird. So <laughs> that kind of change in in direction in in Korea, um, and then starting to open up, you know, your first shop, learn yeah. about business. What I mean, did you? Like go into learning about business? Did you do anything on the side, or did you just kind of? No, again, I, I jumped into that not knowing anything, um, and then learn as I went on. And now I love it, and 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 learn a lot more. Um, all it was, I wanted to be a barber, but I knew I'd never be happy um, just being a barber. Um, yeah. So if I'd done it, I'd want to do it properly and have a shop, etc. And and I knew that the lads were who owned the shop, and, and um, he they, he opened another shop in Berry. Um, and I started working there, like I got qualified, sort of, you know, I got to the standard where I could cut hair a bit, you know what I mean? And, and so I started working with him there. And I said, like, I, I do want my own shop, really. I don't want to, um, I wouldn't be happy just kind of, I'll just be honest. Um, so they had an idea of making a brand up anyway, because they had a couple of other shops that were, that were, that were doing well. So we agreed I'd buy that very shop off them. I was lucky, I saved my money in Africa. Um, in the security, I didn't really spend it because I knew one day I wanted to do my own thing or, or have a normal life. So I saved every every penny I had really. Um, so I brought that shop off my, my friend and took it on. Um, and then they made a bit of a brand. They turned the other shops into the same as that shop and made a bit of a brand. And then it went from there really. Um, and now I own well, I own four, but I've got um, I've got a business partner. Um, I own four and. I've just signed a lease for another shop, so that'll be my fifth one in the last sort of three years and four years, three years. And the gym as well. Yeah. You're in, you're in so again, that was random. I throw myself into, <clears throat> I throw myself into it, and then I learn. <laughs> so um, obviously, I've always had an interest in health and fitness. <clears throat> um, that's the reason why I started doing things and stuff. Um, and there was a gym near near where I live, um, and I knew the guy was moving to Australia. Um, Joe, um, so he wanted to sell the gym, and I, and I looked at buying it before actually I'd done the barbering, but I didn't because 
it, well, it just wasn't the right time. I didn't know anyone at that, that time sort of in the industry and stuff. Um, but I always knew he wanted to move. So then I, I met my friend, uh, Ross Hammerhan, who you've had on here, um, yeah. obviously on one of your podcasts as well. Um, I've done a gym session over here with, with, with him and he was in the industry. Um, I said, and he was interested. I told him about the gym and for sound. He was interested. So I said, should we just buy it? Um, and he said, yeah. So I said, all right, cool. Um, so we got together, um, him and, and another young PT who, who I had never had a lot of potential. Um, he's really good now. Um, and the three of us sort of just bought the gym um, what, 18 months ago and we sort of transformed it really. We've completely done it all up. Um, and that's going well now, yeah. So, um, yeah, now I've come away from the, well, I found what I enjoy. To be honest, I mean, long term, I don't enjoy cutting hair, really, if I'm honest with you. Um, but I love business and I love the challenges and I love, I love growing with people as well. Um, so that's probably where I'm going with things. Now I enjoy that. I, I really love the business side of things. It, it really stimulates me and the challenges of it. I, 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 as you can probably, it probably sounds, I, I just, I like the challenges. The challenges is what gets me going. Once I've sort of done it, I'm like, right, move on to the next sort of challenge a little bit. Yeah. So with obviously, you know, four, nearly five um, shops, the gym, that's obviously you're starting to kind of build a bit of an empire there with obviously employees coming in. Um, how have you dealt with like um, almost like a leadership role? How have you kind of, how have you deal with that? I'd say that's been the biggest change in me. Like if you, I hate people who say people don't change because I think that's bullshit. Like people change all the time. If you looked at me two, three years ago to the person I'm now, it's, it's completely different. So if you looked at how I'd probably maybe deal with that two years ago to how I deal with it now, it's a big difference. Um, I guess I'm still a bit military pissed to start with and it doesn't, that doesn't work in the um, sort of civic world. Um, uh, so how have I dealt with, I've learned, um, to let go of um, certain things, and I've learned. So, so basically, if you want to, if you want to come away from something and allow it to still do well, you have to give people incentives. Um, you have to allow people to. You can't take control of everything because um, that's what I've done to start with, and I used to get so stressed, and I'd always want to be doing everything for everyone, and it was affecting my my personal life. Um, you have to learn. Well, one, you need good people around you, otherwise you can't do it. So you need to identify good people. Um, and when you do, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to keep them. Um, you've got to learn that probably 80% of people will come and go. doesn't matter what you say and do, there will be people that come and go. Um, and you've got to be happy with that. And then the third thing that I think is the most important that I'm really um, moving into now is... Don't just take someone on if they haven't got the same. Before, because I expanded so quick, I just needed people. So I'd take people on. You know what I mean? As long as they were skilled, as long as they were good, but not with their personal qualities. Like not if they were, sometimes they might have different personal, um, what, what I'd be looking for. It's, I think it's really important because all what will happen is something, it won't work out. So now I just try and really, rather than saying having the best barber, I want the best person because then you can train them to become the best barber anyway or whatever or it doesn't have to be the best but like um yeah. people are a lot more trainable 
Yeah. So I'm just looking for good people, really, and that's how you do it. You just need good people, and if you get good people, then you build with good people. And like the shops, I'll give like a percentage away to the shops eventually. You can't have everything if you want to keep growing. So yeah. then I can go and do other things. And I've got managers in all the shops now, um, and, and they're brilliant, and they look after the shops. And you've just got to learn to let things go a little bit. Probably waffled on a bit there. <laughs> no, it's good because it's, you know, you, you've, you've left with literally you know on the grand scheme of things nothing you've left the car similar to me like i didn't yeah. academically not academic whatsoever um i left with very little qualifications if anything you know i was a pw so i you know i, I taught people how to use weapons and take down buildings how am i going to do that yeah. in city street? i'm not going to do yeah, that yeah. um so you you've left and you've kind of developed and like you say learned on the way um yeah and you've learned to deal with with people and um, lead them, and uh, it's yeah. very commendable. Maybe, but but, I really, that's, but that's that's where I found my my biggest enjoyment comes now um, from. It, it is that is trying to you get more enjoyment. I think strangely, well, it's, it's not should be strangely from from seeing other people move up and, and helping them because then you'll actually grow better, like, and you'll grow more if you try and do everything. You won't. You'll just what I see. I've, I've got other friends that have got businesses. I call it going on the hamster wheel. So what happened? You'll get your own business, but it might not be profitable because you'll you'll be working so hard in that business, and you're just going round and round on the hamster wheel. You're making money for yourself, but your business is not really making that much money because you haven't got the you have, you're not letting other people in and for it to grow, and, and you're so stressed with everything else that you can't do anything else. So then that stays the same. And then in 10, 20 years, you think, oh, this is, this is sort of stressful now, and then sell it. Whereas if you take a step back and you sort of work with people and everyone's got their strengths, then you can sort of grow. And, and as long as there's respect there, you can, you can build with people, I think, a lot quicker and easier than you can if you're just trying to do everything yourself, stuck on the hamster wheel, running round and round and round and round. Yeah. Um, so that's how I look at it. Yeah, being able to delegate and... Yeah, definitely. That, that's that's massive. Like, like I say, now my my, my management style. Well, I've got my managers and my um, business partners. One of the first things we set out straight away is job roles, because before I do try and do every, all the job roles and get myself stressed, and then I'd probably be, and then I become a crap manager or boss because I'm just shouting at people or being aggressive because I'm stressed out myself and it's not yeah. the way to be or the biggest one I'm learning is communication over whatsapp you know what I mean I'll be like texting and whatsapp and it's just silly it's like you need to talk to people and, and, and everyone has their own everyone's good and bad and if you get into an argument which you don't really argue as such but if you get into any debate I always try and think first of all what is that person's everyone's got a view while they're saying it so think think their reasons first before you you start like sort of talking about resolving something because everyone's got an opinion and everyone can be you don't not ever there's no right or wrong you know what i mean um in terms of like personal development and like um is there any any things you've read anything any books you read is there any courses you go on anything like that, that you kind of i'm a massive uh i don't read because i'm not that <laughs> I, i'm not very good at reading writing um <clears throat> so i listen to audio all the time um yeah, audio i don't watch telly like like, I can't remember the last time I finished the series or something. I'll start, and then my mind's always wanting to learn and, and do stuff. So I listen audio and podcasts. That's all I do. Must any free time I'm listening to audio and podcasts, um, and that's all genuinely sort of 
motivational business um, stuff. Um, yeah. That's class. Like any, anything that, that stands out audio wise? Um, any, I know in the, yeah, uh, in the I fitness mean, realm was people like um, Mark Fisher. I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of him. Um, he's, how, he's, so How to Win Friends and Influence People is probably the first book I um, listened to, which I really enjoyed. Um, it's a really old book that talks about everything to do with really management and talking to people. Um, just all the, 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 the standard ones that everyone listens to, hears, um, I guess, all the motivational guys. Um, uh, what's my favourite books? I don't have to go onto my audio. <laughs> Nothing stands out too much, but like, like I just read them all and I'll just take little bits off each one, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm li listening to a lot of money ones at the minute because um, I think I've done in my in my time in in, in lockdown trying to organise my everything better. I'm moving house and stuff, so I need to be a bit more um, strict on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and how have you found like the lockdown process, like with the shops having to close? I guess taking you closed. You know, yeah. So so again, like we probably touched on a little bit. It's amazing how the the how people adapt um, and. We were speaking earlier like about children, and even our kids, and how, how they can even adapt to the situations. So, the first two weeks of lockdown, I was going crazy. Really, I was, I was, I was probably a little bit annoyed because I'm thinking, well, I've just built, you know, I mean, businesses and stuff, and I was maybe a bit scared, thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to start again, and sort of feeling felt a bit sorry for myself, felt stressed. Um, so that was the first two weeks. But then actually over the last five weeks, it's probably been some of the happiest I've ever been in my life. Because um, it's allowed me to just stop, take a step back. It's not like I, you know what I mean? I've stopped and just done nothing. I've been assessing things, putting things in place for the future. And it's just get, allowed me time to do stuff that you don't do um, every day because you're so stuck, stuck with trying to sort stuff out that you don't, sometimes it's hard to take a step back. It's allowed me to take a step back and allow my mind and brain to just, switch off a little bit um and and refocus uh and enjoy some amazing time with with obviously like the kids and um my wife yeah so it's been it's been sort of good really can't leave her out <laughs> no thank you can't leave her out she's a good girl um mate just just to kind of finish on um if you could tell someone who was I'll give someone a piece of advice who was leaving the call, leaving the armed forces um, and wanting to start up their own business. What, what kind of advice would you give it, Penny? What was? Uh, first of all, do it because which sounds like a real uh, easy way out. So say when I was getting my first shot, Every single person, again, including my my mum, would have told me, "Oh, don't, don't, um, don't do that." Oh, what? They're, they're only, they're, why are they selling that and that and worrying and stressing? And um, if I listened to everyone else, then I wouldn't do anything. Um, I wouldn't have done it. So, if you want to do something, just sort of commit to it and do it. And, and obviously, you need to make well. The numbers dictate first. So that's the first thing. Don't just don't just do it if it's something crazy. I don't know what, what people are doing. Don't sign yourself away to a 10-year lease to something that's, that's just not sustainable. Yeah. So first of all, which I've always learned in business and everything now, everyone likes to do the pretty stuff. 
you know what I mean, the fancy stuff and look, put, I want to put the Instagram page out first, but they haven't done the numbers. So the numbers dictate everything. So do the boring stuff, speak to an accountant um, and do that. If the numbers add up to what to what you you, you forecast, and then go for it, you know what I mean. Don't jump don't jump into it without doing your doing your numbers. But if you if you if you've got your savings, you've got the money, um, the numbers work out to to to, to what whatever you're doing, um, then don't listen to other people worrying about it because you will be fine. Um, you know what I mean. It, it will it will work out fine as long as you work hard and you're consistent um, with it. You have to be you have to be consistent. You're going to have good days and bad days like in anything. Um, but I think one thing that too many people are guilty of, they listen to people's advice that haven't, like, without sounding horrible, I wouldn't listen to my mum about business because she doesn't, she doesn't know, understand the, the business side of stuff. Yeah. So it would, she might say, well, don't do that, but she doesn't know. So take advice from someone that um, has done it. Or listen to them and learn off them because um, they will have you are probably 80% of people saying oh don't do it it's just because they they put a limit on themselves that what they can do and they don't want to do it but um so that go for it but make sure the numbers are right first because a lot of people maybe um, might get themselves into trouble if they if you haven't got your savings you haven't got your emergency fund um, make sure you do the boring stuff first and then just go for it uh, and you will be successful definitely if you stay consistent with it over a couple of years. Um, a lot of people, again, might, might think that, I mean, I didn't take a penny out of any of my businesses. So I've only had my businesses, say five years, but I didn't, I didn't take a penny from them for the first three years. Mm. Um, didn't, didn't take one penny out of the business account for, for free. They just paid the bills and stuff. And people sort of forget that I actually moved into, I had a house I rented out a house I was living in that I rented out and moved back in with my wife's parents and slept on the sofa um, for the first sort of couple of years just because I didn't want to touch any of the business money. I just wanted to make, you know, make, make sure everything was there. And then eventually after the, a few years, then you can start taking some money and then you can do some things that you, you like to do. But you need to make, um, if you start a business, you're going to go backwards in lifestyle for two or three years. Don't think you start a business and then you start living the high life. You know what I mean? The first three years is tough. But if you stay consistent with it, then after that, you, you'll reap the benefits um, from it. Yeah, consistency, dedication, and the willing, the yeah. willingness to work hard and do the do every single job of that that company for the first. Yeah, few definitely. Years. Yeah, yeah. Learn it all from the bottom up, um, and then yeah, you'll be you'll be great. Awesome, mate. Um, yeah, I'd just like to thank you for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, definitely wishing you and your family every success for the future with the new shops and uh, the, the ones you currently have. Cheers. No worries. Yeah, thanks for um, yeah, inviting me on. It's been good. It's been, it's been my first podcast. You know what? It's been my first podcast I've ever... I've, I've been asked to do a couple of people I know. And I always end up saying no. Um, <laughs> because um, I get a little bit self-conscious. I've been all right. Now. So when I start, I just waffle on. Yeah. But you know what I mean? You get a little bit self-conscious when you first talk to people, don't you? But because I know you well. Um, I thought that's, that's all right. Um, I can speak to Matty. No, that'll be fine. Um, so yeah, it's been good. Well, I appreciate awesome. it, mate. And um, we'll get a night outside when all this lockdown cool. finished. Yeah. All right, mate. Cheers. Cheers, nice mate. Thank you very much. Bye. Take Bye. care.